Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Before we get into that message, we want to remind you about just a couple of things. First off, if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here at the Cersei campus, text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information about what's going on here at our local campus, and you can give online there as well. You can also get connected to life groups and so much more just by texting Cersei to 88000. Now get your Bible apps ready and prepare to hear a great word today. Man, so good to see everybody here today. Can we put our hands together for all those watching online today? Let's welcome those guys today. Some of you are like, I could have watched online. <laughs> could have done this from my couch. <laughs> so thankful for all of you being here today on a uh, dreary, uh, kind of rainy Sunday morning, but thank you uh, for being here. also want to give a shout out to um, a serve team that works, um, has been working so incredibly hard since COVID, and that is our city serve team. Lisa Coleman and her group have done such a phenomenal job, and um, I'm thinking they're upwards of 100,000 pounds in food right now given away to our community, so let's put our hands together for that group, too. Thank you so much. If you are uh, on that team, thank you for um, your tireless effort. If you want to be on that team, come find me after church. I will point you in the right direction, Okay. Um, today, I am going to continue the Life of Christ series. If you're just hopping in with us, this is a series we've been on for six weeks now, and um, it is basically, we're talking about the life and teachings of Jesus, and uh, kind of the, the best part for me has just been, it, it's kind of been a great reminder of how a story that started 2,000 years ago continues to make its way uh, forward through every generation, and uh, everyone has taken great responsibility to just continue to pass along this good news to every generation that comes after it, and I'm thankful to be a part of that story and uh, to also get the opportunity to share the Word of God with people. It's such a privilege to get to do what I, I, I do. So today I am going to be talking about a very specific topic I don't have really um, one specific text. I think as I kind of got into this, uh, I started with, with one, and then um, I don't just get long-winded on Sunday. I get long-winded in my study time, too. So I just kept adding and adding and adding uh, Scripture. And so um, today, if you're a note-taker, you're going to be well-pleased because I'm going to give you a lot of Scripture. And I want to start in Mark chapter 2. And then I'm going to go quickly back to the Old Testament in Exodus 20. So if you've got your app or Bible, uh, you can prepare both of those, Mark 2 and Exodus 20. If you don't have either, I'm going to show it to you on the screen, okay? So Mark chapter 2 and 27, Jesus is talking. I could give you a lot of context about what's happening, but I really just don't want to spend my time there. Um, but I would encourage you to kind of read and follow what's going on in this whole chapter. But he says... And he, being Jesus, said to them, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, we recently did a whole uh, sermon about this and the religiosity aspect of it, but today we're going to focus on the word Sabbath, okay? So if you are uh, not accustomed to hearing the word Sabbath, this is not a word that we normally use in our vocabulary, but I will tell you this, that the Sabbath was special in that a lot of things 
happened during that particular day that when he said, hey, remember the, the Sabbath, um, that it's not made for man, but man is made for it. Um, and, and so um, he's saying that I want you to focus on all these things that I'm giving you as a gift to your life, and I want to be able to kind of give you a context for that. So the Sabbath was this. It was like a day of prayer and study, but it wasn't study like I'm going to be tested. It wasn't like, like a heaviness to it. It was just like a, a casual, receptive, a lot of times very conversational between people. Um, they would, would read Scripture aloud. There was a lot of family gathering, a lot of friends, a lot of laughter, a lot of breaking bread together, and it was a day of rest. So it was a time to really focus inward and upward. It was a time to focus on, on their walk with God. And as we talk about Sabbath today, that's the context that I want us to do it through. So Exodus 20 is, is a command, and he says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Okay, now a lot of times we use this to talk about church attendance, but I, I need to tell you that that's not really what the context was. When he's talking about Sabbath and you think about Christ, they never did church the way we do it. Jesus never went to a church like this one, okay? It was, uh, he went to a synagogue, they read scriptures, uh, they prayed, they taught, and then the, the rest of the day was about getting together, being in covenant, knowing what's going on, talking about God in their own lives, eating some more, getting in the hammock, waking up, eating some more, laughing, hanging out. It was just a day of being completely unplugged and rested and focusing on the goodness of God. And so it looked nothing like a format or structure the way we do church. So to say, hey, remember, you got to go to church um, is a little bit taken out of context. What he's saying when he says, remember the Sabbath is, hey, remember to do these things. Remember to rest. Remember to study. Remember to be together. Um, remember to break bread. Laugh with somebody. He's saying, I want this to be a column in your life that has no wiggle room. I want it to be holy to you and sacred to you. And so my challenge for us today is really to bring this as a practice back to remember Sabbath to remember the times where we get together, where we break bread, where we study scripture, where we pray, where we rest, where we let go of all the things that keep the wheels going the rest of the week, okay? So I always enjoy speaking on this subject matter, and what a better time to talk about it than when we're all sick and tired of a few things, right? So we could all go around the room and we'd say, I'm sick of politics, I'm sick of the pandemic, and I'm sick of all this, I'm sick of that, and you know... We, we used to be able to, I'm sick of the Razorbacks losing, but thank God he's being faithful. But I want to talk about rest, and more importantly, I want to talk about what God thinks about it or says about it. And so let me begin with, with this just to put us on some level ground. We live in a world, and this, this is obvious, I'm not teaching you here, I'm just bringing us all to the same room, but we live in a world where staging is encouraged, and staging can be exhausting. So when we think about staging, what I mean by that is we stage our lives on social platforms and, and we uh, always show our best life. We want you know, people to see where we just ate 
and the trip we just took and the, the car we're driving and lots and lots of pictures of dogs. And if you had one of those and I haven't said anything to you in a while, that's because I unfriended you. Okay? <laughs> Only one of you laughed. You don't think it's funny. So we use filters for pictures because they hide our flaws. We're staging it. We're staging our, our presence. And the truth is we can stage anything. Okay? We can stage our marriage, we can stage our successes, and sadly, we can even stage our walk with God. We can look good on the outside from a spiritual place. We know how to do it. We know what church is supposed to look like or what following Jesus or being a Christian or whatever you want to label that. Um, we know what that's supposed to look like, so we know how to, 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 to do it, and we can stage it. To where people think, man, they are, they are like a super Christian. I mean, they really know how to follow Christ. But I have noticed as well as you have that you can have people who have the career they prayed for and be married to the person of their dreams. They can be getting Botox on the monthly and still not be well. So we can have this appearance of success, how you and I would label that, but inside, there's not wellness taking place, okay? So I want you to go to 3 John chapter 2 today, and I want to read a scripture. This is one of my favorite takeaways this morning. So again, if you're a note taker, you like to reflect late in the afternoon, write this down, read this later, it'll mean, it'll mean a lot to you. 3 John chapter 2, and I'm going to read from the ESV. He says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. Everybody say the word all. Okay, come on, say it like, like you mean it. All. Okay, yeah. Um, and so what he means by this is I want everything in your life to go well. All those things that you dream about and think about and put your energy to, I want all of that to go well. All those passions that are in you, I want it to go well with you. And that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So John brings in this correlation. He, he challenges us and says, hey, listen, I want everything in you to be great. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be satisfied. I want you to have a lot of joy. I want all that to go great. But then he says that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So when I read that, I, I think this. There is a, the condition of our physical health and even our emotional well-being is interconnected with the condition of our soul. And oftentimes you and I, we flip that. And so I'll, my first challenge is that we put it in the right order. Because a lot of us think, you know, if I can just get my emotions in check, if I can just get better mentally, then my faith will kick in. I will, I will have better faith. Or you think, if I can get physically better, like if I can lose some weight, if I can, if I can gain strength back, if I can just be my old self, if I can just get back somehow in a time machine and do that or really make a push and make a change, then I'll be able to see God through a different lens and my faith will, will kick in. But I believe that the opposite is really, really true, that we live from the overflow of what's happening in our soul. We want to be better or we get better emotionally because our soul 
is being refreshed. It's in the right spot. It's being framed well. We're living from a truth that is happening in the soul rather than trying to get it in our mind first and then get it to somehow trickle down like Plinko and fall into the, our, our soul. And so it is possible to have complete order on the outside in this staging process that I've been talking about. We can have the whitest smile, the starchiest shirt. You can have be the most organized person in the world and all the while have a soul that is at complete unrest. So a big truth is this. We can only be as well as it's well with our soul. And I want you to think about that. What condition is your soul in? I'm not talking about just an, an eternal perspective here. I'm talking about right now, living it out for Christ, being in a world that is challenging sometimes and disappointing sometimes. What is the condition of your soul? In Psalm 103, David does something very unique here. He speaks to himself and gives himself a command. And we all know, know this verse, but I want you to look at it through that, that lens. 103 and 1, he says, Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being, or all that is within me, praise his holy name. He's telling his soul to worship. Praise the Lord, my soul. And all that is within me, all my inmost being, praise his name. He's saying, I don't just want to raise my hand or raise it. Or clap my hand because I think the band was good. I want to praise you and I'm going to praise you from my inmost being. The inmost being, what is that? It's the soul. Scripture uses many words or synonyms like heart, mind, conscience, emotions, even our intellect to describe the inmost being. That from my heart and mind and conscience and emotions and my intellect, all that combines to forge this soul aspect of who I am. And it's from there that I worship God and live my life. And some of us, again, we've got it turned around because we're so physically oriented. We experience the world through our senses so much that you perceive that you are a body that happens to have a soul. But again, let's flip it. You're actually a soul that just happens to be housed in a body. The soul is where you live from. Everything flows from it. And this physical world and our experience of it, again, should come from the overflow of the condition of that soul. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon asked a hard question related to rest. In chapter 2, verse 22, he starts with this, and this is just a reflection. He's saying, what does a man get or possess? Like, like what can he really put his hands on for all the toil and the anxious striving with which he labors? He says, all his, all his days, his work is pain and grief. And I love this insight. Even at night, his mind does not rest. You thought it was just our generation, but it's not. This is a long problem. We lay down to sleep, the world gets quiet, and the mind gets loud. 
It's when the thoughts come. It's when we start to reflect. And sometimes those thoughts snowball. And they get bigger and bigger and bigger until we become anxious and worried and we lose sleep or that anxiousness translates into dreams. We get restless. We get up several times in the the night. And it's not just you. It's belonged to every generation before you. This is a condition, a condition of the soul. St. Augustine once made this, this comment. He said, You, God, have made us for yourself, which we know is scriptural, and for your pleasure we were created. That's Bible. But he goes on to say, Our soul is restless until it finds rest in you. Now, that's not scripture, but it's a good principle. He says, Our soul is going to be restless until we really find true rest in you. It's got to come from you. See, a restless soul can search but never finds. This is why, again, when we're, when we're living our life from a, just, just a physical experience only, we recognize in our spirit there's a gap, there's a hole that needs to be filled with the presence and rest that only God can bring. So we want to fill it. And so we still try to do it with physical things. We think if we drive that car, live in that house, be married to the right person, if we have that particular title, and so on and so on. And all the while, we struggle more and more and more with anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. Why? The soul is restless. It's looking, but it can't find. It's spending, but it's not filling the gap. It's finding people and places and things. and It's trying to stuff all that in, into us, all in this restless desire to just find some peace. Unrest describes so many people, right? I, I, I want your mind to, to think about your own examples, but... We look around the people we live life with and we can quickly sense unrest in them. See, some people can take a vacation and not rest. It's called parenting. But you, you can go on a trip and may, maybe you're gone. Maybe you're no longer in this zip code. But your mind is still here. Just thinking about your house. You're thinking about your grass growing. I get home, I gotta mow. I really gotta take care of that project. I gotta do that. I gotta get that done. Your toes can be in the sand, but you're not there. Like, like you're, you're somewhere else. And so you come home after six or seven days and you have a lot less money, but you didn't gain more rest. Some of you today, you've lost your courage raising your children and your unrest. You find unrest in that. I mean, you look at your kids and you're struggling to re relate. You're thinking about where they are and how the world is and how different it was for you even 20 years ago. And you're trying to catch up and you're trying to learn the language and you're trying to, to, to compare and you're trying to teach and you're trying to model and mentor. But you lose confidence. And so for you, your, your soul is at unrest about your own house. For some, you're here, and I'm not trying to be, be crass, but you look at your marriage and you, you think, man, 
I, I'm, I have no peace about where my, where my marriage is right now. I struggle with my, my, my relationship. I mean, can we keep this up? Can we go another year, three years, five years? Can we do it? Will they go to counseling? Will they ever give their life to God? Will they, will they ever apologize? Will they ever change? Will their heart ever become tender? And you're at complete unrest about that. Some, some of you are praying over your lottery ticket. And I know because I see you. And what's crazy is we're just at the Exxon, but you act like I caught you in the liquor store. You know what I mean? I mean, it's okay. We're just pumping gas. I'll see you in your car. You'll take your lottery ticket, put it between your hands, and I see you right there. Got a little thing of oil you're pouring on it. I promise I'll tithe. I promise. You're thinking about your finances. You're thinking about college tuitions. You're thinking about uh, debt. You're thinking about a new start. You're thinking about all the things you could, you could do with a financial breakthrough. And you are at unrest about this particular part of, of, of your life. I want to give you a definition of stress. And I, I think this is applicable to us. It says this. Stress is a feeling experienced when a person recognizes that demands have exceeded their resources. They come to this place where they go, the demand for what I need, I, I, I need more, I don't, I don't have it. I, I, I'm just, I'm to the end of me. And suddenly because you're at the end of you, here comes the stress. Again, to use my examples, but... You think, I, I, don't, I don't know that I can parent any better than I can parent. And yet you look at results you're getting and you think, man, I, am, am I a terrible parent? Stress comes. You know you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week and your mind is there another 20. And you can't, you can't make it come together financially. You're like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm working hard. I'm living honestly. I'm trying to be generous when I can, but I'm at the end of me. And here's what I want to I encourage you today. Because this is almost every page of Scripture. A lot of the people that we call our heroes of the faith are people who were at the end of themselves when God said, now I can do something. Now that you don't feel smart enough or good enough, or you don't think you've got the best strategy, now you can lean into me and we can actually do something great. And he used those broken, wounded people that a lot had given up on to do something great. Why? Because they had finally come to the end of their own resource. So if that's you today, be encouraged. Lean into the strength of God. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, in, in verse 3, too much activity will give you restless dreams. Luke 21, 34 in the Amplified, I like how he says this. He says, take heed to yourselves, or, or hey, pay attention to yourself. And be on guard, lest your heart become overburdened and depressed with the headache and nausea of self-indulgence and drunkenness, and worldly worries, and cares pertaining to this life, and that day come upon you like a trap. 
How encouraging is that? He said, we have a role to play in this. To look after ourselves, to be on guard. Because if we're not careful, a, a, a soul that is not at rest will come on you quick, like a trap, like a noose, it goes on to say. Listen, no man or woman or dream vacation or purchase can rest your soul. Matthew 16, 26, he says, And what will you benefit if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Now we always, as pastors, we tend to always tie this into a salvation message. Like, don't get caught up in all the stuff because you'll lose your soul. But what if there was a different angle? What if this is not talking about eternity? What if right now you or someone you love, a spouse, a child, a close friend, has got all the successes, they've gained what you and I would call in a modern age the whole world, but they've lost their soul. Day in, day out, they are restless with an empty soul. So what's the remedy? Look at Matthew chapter 11. You all know this verse, but I want you to know this is Jesus talking. And I'm reading this from the Message Bible just because I like the way it's worded. So I have to preface that for the King James lovers. you got to warm them up a little bit. I'm about to hit the Message Bible. <laughs> you guys need to loosen up. Y'all are way too tight today. I don't know. All right, Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'm going to read this slow because I want you to get it. Are you tired, he says, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Man, I love that. Get away with me. Recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the life that Jesus has invited you to. An invitation to rest, to come to him. He's not trying to give you more. He's not trying to push. He's not trying to make you feel guilty. He's not trying to say you're not doing enough. He's not trying to say time is a gift and you've got so much of it, you better get out there, burn the midnight oil, go, 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 do, do, do. No, he's saying, come to me. And just be with me. Like Just, just rest. Let me give you a, a life that is lighter than the one you're, you're living. Okay, all that was my intro. I've got two minutes and 22 seconds to speak the rest of this. Let me give you a quick, just really quick version of where I want to land today. When we are rested, we gain confidence. When we are rested, we are full. When we are rested, we speak to things in our lives with courage. We reframe our lives to a place of peace and wisdom rather than being caught off guard and speaking from a place that is empty. Okay? This is why it's important for us to keep the Sabbath, to be full, to be rested, to be with each other, to break bread, to laugh, to be full, so that when we face Monday, we can hit it with courage, hold our head up, parent well, 
love well, be an example of Christ, not flying off at the handle, not wanting to quit everything, not wanting to just lay down and die, but we're full of strength and courage. In 1 Kings 17, and I'm not going to read this so you guys don't, don't put it up, okay? But in 1 Kings 17, Elijah finds him, himself in a, in a weary place. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but the Lord encourages him and says, Hey, I've got a place for you at the brook Cherith, and I want you to go, and I'm going to feed you, and you can drink from the brook, and this is going to happen for you on a daily basis. I want you to steal away right now and just have a place of rest. Let me tell you something. Every one of us has a brook Cherith. All right, every one of you. We have a place that God has prepared for us to rest and find peace, and all you got to do is go there. You got to get there. For some, it's a hobby. It's golf or hunting or restoring cars or cooking. For some, it's exercise. You crossfit or run marathons or do yoga. For some, it's reading. You escape into a story that's not your own. For some, it's travel to the city, the mountains, or you island hop. For some, it's personal care, a massage, a facial. And this is a place for you where you go and turn off and just rest and find peace. And everyone can have a, a, a brook. But when you don't know what gives you rest, and you don't have a map somewhere in your heart to your cherith, you will falsify the experience of rest. You say, Kevin, can you give me an example of that? Yeah, I can give you an example. I want you to imagine this with me. Some people, they take a large mason jar. They drop 10 milligrams of melatonin in there. 10 drops of CBD oil. A couple of Ambien. 10 ounces of something from Napa Valley. Blend it. Turn on some ocean waves on the surround sound. T minus 30 minutes. They're resting. We have the resource to numb ourselves, but I believe that, that the Spirit is jealous of that. He wants to be the comforter in our lives. He wants to be the one to give us rest. I love what David said. He said, I laid down and I slept and I woke up again because you sustained me. I love that. So let me apply this quickly to you today. There are three things that we all need in our lives. If you're a note taker, here we go. We all need daily moments of rest. You need to take a nap, take a break, take a breath. All right, you need a daily moment of rest. The second thing is you need weeks of being unplugged. You need blocks of time where you disconnect from everything, from your work, from your technology, from decision-making, complete blocks of time. And then third, you need seasons of reflection. You need long seasons of time where you are reflecting about your soul, your health, your mental wellness, your relationships, how important your spouse is, how much you love your children, etc., etc. A time to come back together and regroup on the things that bring you happiness. Three ways to get that done are resist the temptation to stay busy. We all have to find a balance throughout our entire lives of, of the balance between laziness and being a workaholic. 
you got to hit, hit it in the, in, the, in the middle. You've got to be a person who can work and work responsibly and rest responsibly. Then we need to be able to rehearse the Word of God, to meditate on it, to appreciate it. I told the 9 o'clock service, I know from time to time we'll say we're going to go through the Scripture together in a year. And that's great. Some of you do it every year. Some of you do it twice in a year. There's a reading plan now where you can go through the whole Bible in like, I don't know, 12 minutes or something. For me, I can't do that. That doesn't mean that you can't, but for me, what I do is I one verse a day. Whoa, Kevin, like you just one verse a day? Yeah, one verse, that's it. I do study time on top of that, but I'm talking about for me, one verse a day, and I'll write it down, and I'll think about it, and I'll chew on it, and I'll soak on it, and I'll ask the Lord to apply it in my life, and I'll think of situations where I need to use it, and I just do that all day long on the one verse. We have to get rehearsing the Word of God into us. Why? Because the Word is truth, and it's life, and it sets us free. And third, we need to respond to Christ's invitation to rest. You've got to do something with that. He's saying, come to me. Are you tired? Are you weary? Come to me. Okay? Listen, there are some in this room, and you're important people. Okay? Meaning this, our community depends upon your training and your knowledge to facilitate something about their life. But if you don't have a boundary up, that says at some point I have to turn off the necessity of, that people have on me, you end up with a restless soul. There's some of you, your CEOs, your business owners, people are depending on you to, to drum up work and continue the process and get things done, and so you're constantly thinking and processing, and, and you got a strategy, and, and you're, you're a directional leader, and you're always at the tip of the spear, and you're exhausted. You're the ones, you, you take a trip, and you're constantly thinking about work, and if everything's going okay, and you're checking in, you're doing all these things. You've got to have a boundary in your life that says, I'm going to remember a Sabbath and keep it holy, sacred. A time where I come, and if you don't have those things in place, get them in place. Because you'll find yourself being a very gifted, talented, intellectual person who is wore out. Who did not guard your life to this and it came on you like a trap. And now you're empty. And so I want to pray over you today, okay? Right now. Father, I love you. Thank you for your church.